0: Welcome back. Welcome back.
1: To Detroit Strange.
0: This podcast.
1: That you are listening to.
0: That's Jess. That's the other voice.
1: And the other voice is Alex. Yes. (laughs) Now that we've gotten that out of the way.
0: (laughs) Yes. We're back. It's November. It's very cold.
1: Yeah. It went from 70 and two days later it dropped to 35.
0: I know. Because like literally like... Like last week, I texted Jen. I'm like, do you want to go on like a fall hike this weekend? And she was like, yeah, that sounds great. You got to take advantage of this weather before it's shit. And so then like the day comes, the time comes, and it's like half snowing, half raining and 36 degrees. And I'm like, do you want to go to Joanne's instead?
1: Well, do you want to know what I did on that day? What? I went on a fall hike.
0: Did you? Was it good?
1: (laughs) It wasn't bad. I mean, it was cold. I bundled up more than 35 degrees necessitates. So it actually was kind of cozy. But I haven't been on a hike in a while. I went on a short one, but it was cute. There was a little like stone foot bridge and there was a little bit of a river and you know the leaves were still kind of nice. And I hugged a tree. Nice. <laughs> and it was the most amazing hug I've had in a while.
0: Love that. <laughs>
1: Which I was like, is this sad or amazing? But I'm going with amazing. Yeah. And honestly it's OK, because I did. I kind of did the same thing. I was like, I'm going to take advantage of the the fall weather this weekend. I need to get some fall hikes in. Not that I'm against winter hiking, but it is different. Yeah. And then, yeah, that happened. And I was like, of course, it's 35 degrees on yeah. the day. I'm like, I will go outside and do things.
0: Yeah. And like it was like 1 p.m. too, which is late for a hike. I feel like sometimes if you're not already where you're going to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, it depends how far you're going true, and how true. long the hike is. I mean, this time of year, too, because it's getting dark at like 530. Yeah. You, if you're going on a mile hike at one, I think it's fine. But yeah. you don't want to go on like a three mile. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I just went to uh, River Rouge Park, so it wasn't like far where I went.
0: Fine. I can't remember where we were gonna go going to go, but we didn't end up going. But... I got some lovely pillows at Joanne's. Nice. I'm making new throw pillows because <laughs> I'm getting a new couch. I'm very excited.
1: That is an exciting thing.
0: Yeah, it's it's time.
1: Yeah, sometimes it is.
0: I've because right now I've got an IKEA couch that's going on like seven years, and it's just literally starting to disintegrate before my eyes. And I'm like, it's time.
1: Well, you use it a lot. I mean, I yeah. live on
0: this couch a lot of the time. I yeah. feel like so it's okay. Uh, yeah, I've gotten my use out of it. Maybe it'll find a new home. Maybe that new home will be the dump. Who knows? (laughs) But it's going out to the curb.
1: Yeah. Every couch has its threshold.
0: Yeah. This one has definitely reached it.
1: New furniture can be exciting.
0: Yeah. This is like the first piece of furniture that wasn't like a folding chair or something. Yeah. i have bought in in probably seven years, honestly.
1: No, that's fair. I mean, I don't personally buy a lot of furniture or spend a lot of money on furniture. Yeah. I don't know, it just goes through so much wear and tear. It seems silly to spend a lot of money on furniture, but like if that's somebody's jam, that's cool. That's I can fine. Ju- I
0: could justify spending a lot if it's going to be quality, like you know if yeah leather furniture lasts forever, but the stuffing doesn't. That's true. That's very true.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, you you choose where you um invest. I guess. Yeah, and yeah, I don't really have yeah
2: yeah
1: (laughs) uh we're not sponsored by article furniture so
2: no
0: we don't
1: have a a furniture go-to here no this This is a
0: burrow couch i don't know if they do podcast stuff but
1: i've not heard a burrow well i haven't heard of them in general but yeah yeah
0: yeah so hashtag not sponsored (laughs) we're about to do our last ants in the hall with the original cast this week
1: yeah it's Weird.
0: I know. Yeah. It'll probably be. Will this come out the same day as that? That's
1: the plan. But, you know.
0: Yeah. So we're doing our last Ants in the Hall show, which like we're both staying on. So it won't be our last show. But for some of the cast, it will be. So that's an interesting change because it's at the point now where we've been doing it for almost a year. A weekly show on stage for almost a year. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. Very very wild uh there's been a lot of like trans. this transition period has been like a long transition period too which yeah. is making it interesting
0: yeah like we already brought on the new cast
1: yeah we've already we brought, brought on the new cast a lot of the old cast is already involved in like
0: other things next thing. yeah
1: uh a couple of them you know kind of ramped up at the end
0: yeah But yeah, so originally it's the hall winding down. The new cast is coming in, bringing some new blood, new ideas, and that's very exciting. So yeah, just excited to keep doing that.
1: Yeah, we're in this season of transition. Yeah. Things are changing. Things are moving. They're shaking.
0: Well, November is always weird because it's close to the end of the year, but not quite. Yeah. Like December is Christmas or December is the holidays. Once December hits, it's the holidays. November's kind of like the pre-holiday. cold, dark day between the two holidays. Like, well, yeah, there's Thanksgiving, but like, who cares?
1: It's pre-holiday though. People are really starting to ramp up to get into that crazy mode. You know what I mean? Yeah. That we all get into that like super wild. Everything's smushed together in that month time. Yeah. Even though it's not necessary. <laughs>
0: Yeah, not at all. <laughs> it's just what
1: we do for some reason. Yeah. But I don't know. I feel like it'll be maybe a little different this year, though. I feel like there's more uh, take time when you need time kind of a mentality going into this holiday season. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe. Well, it's just like me. even
0: last year wasn't necessarily a given that you could go see family. Because like, you know, yeah. COVID was kind of starting to tick back up last December. It seems less extreme this year. So that's good. And I just got boosted, so I'm feeling good about that.
1: Yeah, I got boosted a few weeks ago. Yeah. You know what? Above all else, it is cozy season.
0: It is cozy season. It's comfy season. I put mine on for the first time today, or the first time this year today. I've worn it twice. Nice. Yeah. Nice.
1: The first time I realized I needed to wash it.
0: I bet. Yeah. I like. I made sure to wash mine before I put it away Smart. in the spring. Uh, if you're not familiar, comfy is like those giant oversized hoodie blanket things, sometimes known as a depression sack, sometimes known as depression a hoodie. Depression hoodie. Okay.
1: Because mm-hmm. it's got a hoodie.
0: Yes. And yes. a pocket. But they're perfect. They're yeah. the perfect winter garment. I love it. I've like officially, I think I've bought them for everyone in my life at this point because I finally gave one to other Jess.
1: Fantastic.
0: And she loved it.
1: Fantastic.
0: She was like, it's just like so soft. I feel like I'm a marshmallow. I'm like, yeah, girl. Mm -hmm. It's magical. Mm -hmm. And it is that, you know, it's comfy, cozy season. And that's nice. Huga. Huga. Yes. Huga Mm -hmm. for sure.
1: The little book of Huga. Yes. An Airbnb I went to had that, but then I've seen it on multiple lists actually. And I'm like, should I have read that when I was at the Airbnb?
0: It was really buzzworthy. Mm-hmm. 2018, I feel like, everyone mm-hmm. was like, hooga, hooga, hooga.
1: Uga chaka, Uga chaka. You can't stop this feeling.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> I don't know why. I don't,
0: I don't know that know. song. I don't know her.
1: Um, That's the Dancing Baby. Oh, I'm old. There was this show back in the day, Alec McBeal. I never watched it because it wasn't my type of show, but everybody watched it. And I forget why, but for some reason... There, she would see a dancing baby, but it was like this weird animated dancing baby that was all over the internet. It was like one of those original meme kind of things. Okay. And the song was Ooga Chaka, Ooga Chaka. And then you can't stop this feeling deep inside a room. the room. That sounds yeah. like a known song, but I can't remember who sings it.
0: Okay. I it think was... it's
1: like a 70s song. Okay. I don't. We're gonna. I remember up, Ally
0: McBeal. I didn't oh, watch it either.
1: We'll look up the dancing baby. Okay. And then you, it might. Be, if you remember that existing, I'm sure you saw a representation of this somewhere in your young mind.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. It was literally somewhere in my brain lived a dancing baby.
1: The Ally McBeal baby was everywhere. It was real weird.
0: Yeah. You know, I feel like every once in a while there's just like some random dancing baby that pops up because, like, you know. I think like there was one in like a Geico commercial, like mm-hmm. twenty thousand, twenty, well, the late twenty thousands.
1: Probably because of this one, though.
0: Yeah, this is the OG like a, dancing. Maybe. A callback, yeah, yeah,
1: to it. But now we have TikTok, so now we have TikTok things like the Corn Kid, which
0: I, I also I know, don't know, I know, about, I, know yeah. I know,
1: I know, I know. I didn't mean to start no, it. I didn't no, mean no. to start. I'm just saying, like, yeah,
0: yeah. There's memes all around. <laughs> exactly memes they're all around us
1: <laughs> are we gonna rewrite the, the song from a? Uh, i can't remember what movie it is love actually
0: uh no memes
1: are all around us i feel it in my toes i've I seen the movie once and i
0: never toes. need to see it again and I know it's some people's that. jams. You've
1: mentioned that. Yeah,
0: I was watching Trixie and Katya. Yeah, watch Dated and Related. Have you heard of the Netflix show? No, it's not about incest, as the name implies. No, no,
1: isn't
0: it? Is it? It's a dating program where you go on there with a sibling, and you're both yes. looking for love. Terrible name. Yeah. But I'll, st- I'll guys- stick with Love
1: is Blind. That is my only Netflix dating show. And I They honestly, just recently
0: watched season three, Trixie oh, and Cotton. That was hilarious. I
1: watched season three. I think it might be the last one I watched because they're just getting progressively more and more awful. But this is like
0: the first interaction I've had with it. And I'm like, this is bizarre.
1: It's real bizarre. It was definitely uh, set up differently this time for more.
0: I don't know about her.
1: The first one was interesting just because it was interesting, it was still yeah. stupid. Yeah. I still didn't put like a lot of clout into it or whatever. No, it's just
0: like a new version of like a dating reality show. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And also the first one had so many fun characters. Okay. There's one couple from the first one who actually is doing very well still from, you know, what everything says. But they seemed actually cool during the season. Yeah. But there's a lot of other fun characters. Yeah. There was a woman who tried to give her cat wine.
0: Love that. Minerva? Her name is Jessica. Okay.
1: <laughs> there were a lot of fun memes for that.
0: Cat wine. <laughs> I don't think Minerva's ever tried for the wine.
1: No, I mean, they do make cat wine, actually. I've seen that. This was not cat wine that she that was quite <laughs> messing with. I mean, really, just soak some uh, catnip in water and give them brewer the some tea. catnip. Yeah. yeah. That's probably better, anyway.
0: Yeah. I think she's fine. She
1: good. She just looks very happy right now, actually. For those of you listening at home, Minerva is sitting in a tall cat tower next to me, carefully just observing what we're doing. Her eyes are getting very heavy. Yes. She is about to fall asleep. I think she she might be asleep right now. She's in her cozy space, but she wants to look over us while she sleeps.
0: Yes. Thanks for looking out for us, (laughs) Minerva. Well... Now that we've got Minerva looking over us, should we start with the story?
1: That would be fantastic.
0: So today's story is called Henry Ford in the World Wars.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Do you know anything about his involvement in the World Wars?
1: Well, I know that they produced stuff mm-hmm. at Fort Wayne. Yes. Yes. Because I know they stopped car production for a while, I think, to do like tank production or something along yeah. those lines. And I feel like he had some shadiness going on, maybe like a la Disney.
0: That's what we're going to talk okay, about today. Good.
1: Interesting. Because Cause I know a little I, bit about it, but right. not much.
0: I didn't know much about it either. This came from a passing comment from somebody at that retreat. I went on. Of like, did you know that Henry Ford did this? And I'm mm-hmm. like, what?
1: Yeah, I've heard it, but I don't know the history of it. So I'm very excited now.
0: Buckle up. Hold on to your hat. Um, any other old timey sayings for get ready for a st- fucking story, bitch? Because This is wild. Okay. And terrible. So, I mean, it doesn't start off too bad. So Ford was like this interesting version of pacifist where he was just thought that war was a terrible waste. Uh, so far, I'm on board. Yeah, so I don't far, disagree with that. Yeah, so far, I'm on board. He believed that war was started by those who were able to profit off of it.
1: Also don't disagree.
0: Yeah. In his autobiography, My Life and Work, Ford stated that, quote, I have never been able to discover any honorable reason for the beginning of the World War. It seems to have grown out of a very complicated situation created largely by those who thought they could profit by war. Okay. So definitely an interesting take on more that so far it doesn't seem too problematic. Yeah. So now we're going to World War I. So in the early day of the war, it's 1915, Ford was denouncing the war. And he caught the attention of American peace activist Louis P. Lochner and a Hungarian journalist named Rosika Schwimmer. They approached Ford with the idea of an amateur diplomatic peace mission to Europe to try and broker a deal to end the war. All right. Schwimmer told Ford that she had got the hot goss that European powers were willing to negotiate. Schwimmer was also lying out of her ass. Oh, no. But Ford was like, you know what? Let's do it. The war is bad for business. Let's end it. He first went to then-president, now-skeleton Woodrow Wilson. Mm -hmm. Uh, He tried to get Wilson to endorse the diplomatic undertaking. Mm -hmm. Wilson was like, that's cute, but I don't think it'll work. And no. So Ford was bombed, and Uh he told that much to Lochner and told uh, him that Wilson was a, quote, small man.
1: (laughs) So he was like, guys, I am so sorry to tell you, but... He said no.
0: He's not interested.
1: He's not interested. He's a small man. Yeah. How dare he? Meh.
0: Ford, however, was not deterred. Okay. And he decided to plan a private expedition to Europe to broker peace. He charted an ocean liner named Oscar II for the job. The ship was then re-nicknamed the peace ship.
1: Okay. On, on yeah, on track with that. Yep. on On mission.
0: Yep. So Ford announced this at a press conference in New York and said that he invited the most prominent pacifists that were available. That list included the likes of Jane Addams, William Jennings Bryan, Thomas Edison, and John Wanamaker. Of those, Addams, Bryan, Edison, and Wanamaker declined. Oh. So all of them. Yep. Yep. He was, however, able to get suffragette Inez Milholland, 40-plus reporters, and his friend Reverend Samuel Marquis. Okay. So... That's like 45 people, not including the staff he's got Okay. ready to go.
1: How big was this vessel? It
0: was an ocean liner, so like cruise ship size.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, because
0: so, Ford was rich. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's still pretty empty for yeah. that size. Like, I mean, they probably yeah. weren't
0: like cruise ship size, like today's cruise ship yeah, sizes, yeah, yeah. but like it was a large ship with a, some people on it. Okay. That's in yes. a good, accurate way. So on December 4th, 1915, uh, the ship left Hoboken, New Jersey, while a band played, quote, I didn't raise my boy to be a soldier. That was a song. I don't know why I said quote. <laughs> but the atmosphere was later described as circus like.
1: How oh, interesting.
0: So just before the ship left, someone snuck on board with a cage of two squirrels and a side reading to the good ship Nutty on the gangplank.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: So fun prank. Let's release yeah. squirrels on this ship. Hilarious. Yeah. And like another odd thing was a man who only identified himself as Mr. Zero jumped in the water fully clothed to swim after the boat. He was later picked up by the harbor police, whom he told that he was, quote, swimming to reach public opinion. What? That was the only reason he gave. I, what? Yep. So just weird, weird times all huh, around. Yeah. There's some squirrels. There's a guy swimming after the Mr. boat. Mr. Zero. Yeah. So. Huh. Weird start to the weird journey. Yep. Infighting on the ship began almost immediately when three days after leaving, Wilson gave an address to Congress, telling them to beef up the army and navy.
1: And this is on the SS Peacemaker. Yes, yes. they're on
0: the they're yes. on the Peacemaker, the okay. peace ship, and peace like ship. you know, right. doing their knitting or whatever. And all of a sudden, the radio broadcast comes in, and it's. That Wilson's like, yo, Congress, beef up that military.
1: We're going to send more military overseas or for this war here.
0: Yeah. So then they fought mainly on how they should respond to this news. Uh-huh. Many wanted to sign a resolution denouncing the move, but some people refused to sign it because it was unpatriotic to Excuse do me?
2: this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So, this caused the group to split in two based on whether they supported Wilson or not, with the pro Wilson minority threatening to abandon the mission when they got to Europe. Okay. But again, they're in the middle of the ocean at this yep. point. Yep. Awkward. Hmm. About halfway across the Atlantic Ocean, an influenza outbreak occurred. Many, including Ford, got sick, and one person died of pneumonia. Oh, no. Ford tried to retreat to his cabin to avoid people while sick, but a group barged in one point to check on a rumor that he had died.
1: Oh, wow. That's so, quite the rumor.
0: Right? Imagine just being in your room sick, trying to chill, and like just a group of people bust in, and is like, are you dead yet? <laughs> oh, he's alive. He's alive. Okay, we're good. But So that's what, you know, mm-hmm. just a weird boat trip. Yeah. So after a fun-filled two weeks at sea, <laughs> the peace ship made its first stop in Oslo, Norway. Mm. The greeting from the Norwegians was about as cold as a Scandinavian winter. Mm, They they were skeptical of the mission and thought military preparedness was the move. Okay. Ford retreated to his room at the Grand Hotel for four days as he was still recovering from the flu. Mm -hmm. It was around this time that Ford's friend Marquise convinced him that they should abandon the peace ship because Ford was sick and they had finally caught wise that Swimmer was indeed full of shit about the nations being ready to mediate.
1: Well, when the first one is like, go fuck yourself. Right. Basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So on December 23rd, Ford and Marquis snuck out the hotel and took the train mm-hmm. to Bergen where they got on the steamer, the Bergens back to the US. So they left all their other
1: little peacemakers.
0: Yep, They snuck away in the night, got on a different ship and left.
1: Catch your own boat home.
0: Well, no, the, the boat went on without them. Oh, it did? Okay. Yeah. Despite Ford's absence, the ship went on to host the neutral conference for continuous mediation. Oh. The conference began on February 10th, 1916, and it had representatives from the US, Denmark, Holland, Norway, Sweden, and Switzerland.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Lochner was still there and became the general secretary. Okay. They sent envoys to England, Germany, and Russia, but all were ultimately unsuccessful. Ford continued to pay. For the ship until 1917. So he oh. paid from it from the end of 1915 into like 1917. And when he spent about half a million dollars or when adjusted for inflation, about 10.5 million today. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so he
1: he abandoned it physically, but not...
0: Financially. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I've got shit to do. Go ahead, boat.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So... Not successful. Henry Ford did not indeed end World War One. He did not. And mm-hmm. he had some very interesting things to say after World War One.
1: Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Please share. So in
0: 1919, Ford took control of a newspaper called the Dearborn Independent. Okay. The paper was struggling, so Ford was like, let's publish some articles on the Jewish question.
1: <gasps> oh, no.
0: His personal secretary, Ernst G. Leibold, came up with the title The International Jew. Ford blamed the Jews before World War I because, again, he thought war was created by those who stood to profit off that, and he thought that was the Jews.
1: Oh, no, sir.
0: Yeah. For 91 issues, this newspaper ran hella anti-Semitic propaganda, like, all into this, like, international Jew. One was titled The International Jew, The World's Problem. Oh, no. Yeah. Here's an excerpt from one of the articles where Ford discusses the Jewish treachery behind World War I. In other countries, the Jew is permitted to mix more readily with the people. He can amass his control unchallenged. But in Germany, the case was different. Therefore, the Jew hated the German people. Therefore, the countries of the world, which were most dominated by the Jews, showed the greatest hatred of Germany during the recent regrettable war. Jewish hands were in almost exclusive control of the engines of publicity by which the public opinion concerning the German people was molded. The sole winners of the war were Jews.
2: Mm,
1: no. Yep. That's hurts so much. Like yep. I, but yeah, it's so gross.
0: So, <sighs> from this, four booklets of his finest Jew hating articles were published under the title "The International Jew." Lyle mm-hmm, mm-hmm. never copyrighted the International Jew, so it was able to be published by anyone. <gasps> So including six editions that were published in Germany between 1920 and 1922. Now, who was living in Germany in 1920
1: to 1922? Some uh, <laughs> persuadable Germans. Yep. Who were probably kind of fairly young at that point in time. Hmm. Probably forming their adulthood yep. self. At so that Hitler point. got his
0: hands on these yeah. and found them very inspiring.
1: Was this pre or post-painting?
0: Pre. Okay. I think this is maybe his like start of his love affair with Ford. Okay. So they were so inspiring, they were part of what drove him to write Mein Kampf. Mm. In fact, in Mein Kampf, Hitler had the following to say about Ford, quote, It is Jews who govern the stock exchange forces of the American Union. Every year makes them more and more controlling masters of the producers in a nation of 120 million. Only a single great man, Ford, to their fury, still maintains full independence. Mm-hmm. He was also inspired by Ford's automobile innovations when he started Volkswagen to improve the lives of Germans by making the automobile affordable to all.
1: Wait, Hitler started Volkswagen?
0: Yeah. Are the you People's kidding wagon. me? People's wagon, yeah. He started as a way to like get the people on the side, kind of, because he's like, I can make cars, ooh
1: I had no idea about that. That is wild. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Okay. How weird that it became like the hippie standard. Right. Decades later. It's crazy. Continue on.
0: So, he... Wrote Mein Kampf, Yeah, loved Ford in that, uh, started his own automobile company like Ford, and then Uh, he loved Ford so much, he had a a life-size portrait of him in his Munich office. Well, in 1938, Henry Ford was awarded the Grand Cross of the German Eagle by Germany. This was the highest award given by Nazi Germany, and Ford was the first American to receive it. mm, mm -mm. So Nazi Germany was like, yes, Ford, highest honor, Ford. Hale Ford. Yeah. <laughs> so, back to the newspaper for a little bit. In uh-huh. 1927, a libel suit was brought against it from a Jewish farm cooperative organizer, Aaron Shapiro. This led Ford to close the newspaper in December 1927 and then played dumb that anything anti-Semitic was published there.
1: Oh, you just did it for like a freaking decade, but...
0: Right. What? Who? Right. Me? He and his cronies tried to cover it up with William J. Cameron taking the fall, saying that he wrote them under Ford's byline and did not ask for approval on anything.
1: Again, for years and years and years. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Very believable.
0: And like the people around Ford, like people who knew Ford intimately knew this was not true. Mrs. Yeah. Stanley Rudiman was one of these people who was quoted saying, quote, I don't think Mr. Cameron ever wrote anything for publication without Mr. Ford's approval. <laughs> Ford definitely knew what was going on. He yeah. Can't. Yeah. So because of this, Jewish people and liberal Christians started to boycott Ford. Mm-hmm. So, of course, when they start fucking with his pocketbook, Ford will respond. So he gave this like a half-assed apology. The dealers that were selling his cars started to burn the copies of the newspaper that they were sent to give out with the cars to not alienate customers. So like, yeah, Ford was like so passionate. He was like, hey, uh, give him a Jew-hating article with that new sedan of theirs. And dealers oh, were like, gosh. let's fuck not- let's not do this. Let's yeah. You know let's no. burn this. Yeah. And he, you know, he clearly wasn't sorry. In 1937, Ford sent a statement to the Jewish Chronicle, disavowing and retracting any connection to the international Jew. It later came out that his signature on this document was forged by an employee and that Ford wasn't sorry at all and still held firm to his anti antisemitic beliefs. So
1: somebody was like, sir, you real, this is really hurting. Yeah. Everybody, in this company. You have to apologize. He was like, no.
0: Yep. I won't do it. And they were like, sir? So someone forged his signature <laughs> and sent it. And he doubled down in 1942. Because so in 1940, he was quoted saying, I hope to republish the international Jew again sometime. Oh, no. No, Learned no, no, nothing. no. <laughs> no. So now we're in World War II. And surprise, surprise, Ford was against the war. Because mm-hmm. again... Thought it was a waste. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. He believed that international business could generate prosperity that would head off wars. Ford was quoted saying, quote, War was the product of greedy financiers who sought to profit in human destruction. Mm. Which you can tell who he meant by greedy financiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was making even less sense these days, though, when he claimed that the torpedoing of U.S. merchant ships by German subs was the result of financiers, war makers, conspiratorial activities. So he was like, the Jews sank the subs or whatever. I don't know. Sir? (laughs) Yeah. How? And Ford continued to do business with Nazi Germany, even after the war started. He was manufacturing war material for them. Okay. So he wasn't only making stuff for yeah, yeah, yeah. the allied forces. He was well, his company
1: was making stuff for the allied forces. He, yeah, th- th- this is what it sounds like. There were people within the company yeah who knew how detrimental, like what he was doing was, but he didn't give a fuck because he had a lot of power. Yeah. So it sounds like people in the company were doing, you know what I mean? And that's what happens in like large companies and, yeah, um, not everyone, but it can happen in large companies, too, where there's some sense of reason of like, n- n- no, we, we're not going to do that. And yeah. then there's somebody in power is like, but I want to
0: like the blue check verification. At yes.
1: Twitter. Oh, my gosh. It is the funniest thing I've ever seen happen.
0: It's you know, it's it's been a nice uh time for news because it's just like mm-hmm. Elon Musk fucks up Twitter. Republicans lose again. That's, mm-hmm. you know that's been the news lately
1: mm-hmm. did you see how much uh what is it uh whatever lily lost the company lily yeah that's, is that the medical
0: i think so yeah
1: yeah they do um um insulin yeah and stuff yes so somebody made a they paid for a did you see this
0: no oh
2: this is
1: amazing so somebody paid for a check mark account because you can do that now yeah. right and they made it like whatever eli eli lily is that what I it think is so so they made it like the real eli lily or something but it it's not. This is yeah. just a person, and they put, "Hey, good news! We're giving insulin away for free." Uh-huh. Uh huh. Because insulin was the patent to insulin was sold for a dollar yep. by the originator of it because he wanted to do good, be beneficial yeah. to people who need it. And I get you know selling things at cost or like whatever, but it's just it's ridiculous. Obviously, if they're and selling it
0: at cost, it would be pennies. Exactly,
1: it'd yeah. be well under twenty. Like Canada sells it for like twenty or twenty five dollars or something mm-hmm. like that. Whatever. So it would be well under that. And we know that. So they put that. And then the real company had to come back and be like, that wasn't us. That's not the case. We can't do that. And they lost. Billions.
0: The same happened to Lockheed Martin
1: and Stock. Yeah. But I think it was like that one was first. And then these other ones started popping yeah. up, too. And so now there's like. Is Twitter financially responsible? Questions oh, and yeah. like all these other things are coming up, even though you know some of these companies maybe do deserve,
2: yeah, a little of
1: that being kind of handed. Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah, I'm not a Twitter person, I've never been a Twitter person. I'm fascinated so much right now.
0: It's fun watching the dumpster fire from a distance, it really is. Yeah, mm,
1: over a check mark.
0: Yep, <laughs> anywho, yeah. So, he did also agree to build warplane engines for the Brits. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's helping both sides at this point, it sounds like.
1: Yeah. Again, I have a, I have a suspicion that, like, one was like a PR move essentially by somebody else at the company. And then. Yeah.
0: And, like, he had so many subsidiaries and stuff. So, yeah. like, he could easily hide that it was Ford making the stuff for the, the Nazis, mm-hmm.
1: which is why, like, subsidiaries are so dangerous in many ways. I mean, there's.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So as the war went on, it became more and more apparent that Ford was losing his marbles, given he did lose a son and had a series of strokes. So understandably so that he's losing his marbles. Mm -hmm. But because of that son's death, he was forced to retake control of the Ford Motor Company. So he had stepped down. Edsel had stepped up. Yeah. Edsel died. So Ford stepped back in. Yeah. And he was starting to lead the company into bankruptcy with poor decisions and paranoid forcing out of other executives. Mm. He even had a paramilitary force that spied on and disciplined foreign employees. He had like his own like weird little like. Ew. Yeah. And this was uh-uh. led by a man named Henry Bennett. Nope. Harry Bennett. Okay. In 1945, Ford's wife Clara and his son's widow, Eleanor. So son Edsel's widow, Eleanor, mm-hmm. stepped in and gave Ford an ultimatum. Give control of the company to his grandson, Henry Ford II, or the two of them would sell off their stock, which amounted to about 75% of the company.
1: Oh, fuck. Yeah. So they're like,
0: give it to the grandson or we're losing the whole thing.
1: Yeah. Basically, we're letting yeah. the highest bidder come in and take over.
0: Yeah. So Ford was pissed. Yeah. But had no choice, so gave in. So his grandson took over the company, and his first act of business was to fire Harry Bennett, the guy who was in charge of the weird spy. Yeah, people, and just like two other like nonsensical conspiracy theories for Ford had or did, he funded square dancing in American schools because he hated jazz and associated it with the Jewish people.
1: Oh my gosh!
0: I think he might be the only person that associates jazz with Jews. <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: So that's fun. Yeah. And also, why square dancing? Like, ugh. Um, uh uh-uh. And did night- you
1: ever have to square dance in school?
0: I think maybe we did
1: an elementary school gym class. I remember, like sixth or fifth grade or something like that. I think it's four
0: did this. Honestly, Ugh. yeah. You know, gotta maintain the American tuition. of square dancing. I guess I don't I know. No, it's it's weird.
1: You know what? No, no shame to places that do it or whatever. And it's like still, you know, like there's places that yeah, down south particularly that it's like a square dance bar or whatever. And that's cool. Whatever people used it's to go cool to swing clubs. It's cool if you choose to square like, dance, but yeah. don't force square dancing on no. me. No. Yeah. No. I watched a movie recently, Son-in-Law. It's a Polly Shore movie, and I love it, and I'm so glad I rewatched it. There's a really fun square dancing scene in that movie. Okay. That's my, like, square dancing go-to now
0: in my brain. Okay. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, just another weird theory Ford had. In 1920, Ford wrote, quote, if Fans wish to know the trouble with American baseball. They have it in three words: too much Jew. Mm mm
1: mm 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 mm. Sir, sir, sir.
0: Which again, like, why? I don't know. Well, yeah, like, what other is, than just hate, just what pure is, hate.
1: Well, and where's like the root of this coming from? Yeah. Um, and it's it's so ironic too, because he's like, oh, war is caused by like the people who are going to profit from it. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, blah, blah. and then he's
0: profiting off war.
1: Yeah. Like, sir, you are one of the richest men in the world right now. Right. What? This is just, that's asinine, sir.
0: Yeah. So just kind of summing things up here. Mm-hmm. In 1942, the distribution of the international Jew became like legally, don't do it. You yeah. not do it anymore. It became banned in Germany. But because of the lack of copyright, it was hard to fully stop anything So there was no copyright Mm -hmm. preventing anyone else from printing it, just, like, laws in those two countries. To this day, it can still be found on, like, neo-Nazi and anti-Semitic websites. I'm sure Wikipedia has a copy of it, too, but just, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's real. Nasty. Yeah. If you would have told me that Henry Ford wrote, like, the precursor to Mein Kampf, I would have been like, what?
1: I knew a little bit, but I didn't know it was quite that intense. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I would have been like, oh, yeah, I guess that tracks, but I didn't know it was that bad. Like I knew he was bad, I didn't know he was that bad.
0: Yeah, I it's was shocked interesting
1: too, because like we've done some Henry Ford stuff uh-huh. before, and I've I've stayed away from that not because I didn't want to talk about it, but because like once you start, you can't. Yeah, like you have to talk about that part of it. Oh, but like, how do you not talk? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I didn't know how to separate the two, but I. They were more about the spaces, not him. Yeah. I think is how it came out. But I'm so incredibly glad.
0: Yeah. Because it
1: needed to be done.
0: Absolutely. And just some quick sources. An article from Michigan Tech's Military History of the Upper Great Lakes, PBS, and Wikipedia.
1: Wow. You had some uh good sources there. Yeah. Well, again, fantastic job.
0: Thank you. Fuck that guy. Yeah.
1: How would you feel about? Turning things around with a little game of two truths and a lie.
0: Absolutely.
1: This is from our favorite source, Mental Floss, Mm -hmm. of course. And these are all phrases that use like turkey or turkey related things, like old timey phrases. Okay. So I'm going to tell you the phrase and kind of what it stands for. Okay. One not being true. All right. Number one, to have a turkey on one's back means. To be drunk. Okay. Number two, to have one's turkey feathers out is to be showing all of your cards in an unsavory way. Okay. And number three, I guess it's all turkey. Basically means all is good, cool, kind of chill.
0: Okay. I'm going to go with all is turkey. That one is true. Okay.
1: Um, that one is a quaint saying indicating that all is equally good. From the dictionary of slang, jargon, and Cant. not and it said that an old gentleman who was asked at Thanksgiving dinner if he preferred the white meat or dark of the standard dish replied, I don't care which, I guess it's all turkey. Okay. So kind of like. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Do you um, want to
1: hear the other two?
0: No, I think it's the turkey in the back.
1: That one is true. Okay. Uh, that one also. <laughs> so that one means to be drunk. And again, it's from the Dictionary of Slang and Colloquial English. And it's basically when someone's imbibed too much. There's no cute little story with that one.
0: I mean, it makes sense. Kind of like wild turkey. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I do have a few other, you know, contenders here. Obviously, turkey feathers out was completely made up by me. Okay. Good job. Me patting on my back. Yeah. So some of them are kind of a lot, but we're going to we'll go down them because there's only I think 10 total. Okay. Do you want to play a secondary game? Sure. Do you want to take a guess what they mean before sure. I tell you? Yeah. Okay. So rum cobble coulter.
0: Rum cobble coulter?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A magical spell you say to like ward off the turkey sleeps.
1: <laughs> That's a really good guess. Um, but it can be attributed to several tribes of Roma people, beggars, thieves, things of that nature. Uh, with some proverbs and phrases, figurative speech. It was first published in the late 1600s. A cobbleculter is a turkey, and a rum cobbleculter is a fat, large, male turkey. Okay. Which I thought all turkeys were male, so I'm confused by that part of it.
0: Well, they all can't be male. There's going to be female turkeys. Otherwise, there'd be no turkeys.
2: That's true. Yeah. I don't know why I said that. I'm going to cut that.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: Maybe I won't cut that. I think it. I, mean, I was it's like, but a female turkey is a hen. And I was like, it's a chicken. <laughs> it's
0: a chicken. Look at all those chickens.
1: Oh, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking rooster. Okay. Because a rooster is a male chicken. That
0: sure is. A turkey is a turkey, A though. turkey
1: is a different bird.
0: <laughs> it sure is. A whole different bird. It's all turkey, It's but specifically turkey. Uh,
1: so anyway, going on. <laughs> This next one is some Scottish slang. Okay. And it's a a bubbly jock, or there's also a bobblecock.
0: Oh, okay. Is that like the, 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 the turkey neck? The little goblet?
1: Gobble, um, you would think, you would think there is actually one word in here that is the, for that. But no. So a bubble, a bubbly jock is Scottish slang for male turkey. So okay. again, we make to male turkeys. And it's from the t- the noise that the bird makes. Okay. Yeah. So it can also be used to describe a stupid boasting person. Okay. Cuz they are making a similar noise or an excessive talker. Okay. Slang for turkey in Northern England, England is bobblecock and it's basically it just means turkey. I don't know why.
0: Okay. Yeah, bobblecock.
1: Mhm. So our next one is turkey merchants.
0: Okay. I believe this term comes from the 1800s when a person would go door to door with dead turkeys and be like, I have turkeys for sale. They'd, you know, open their trench coat and they'd have turkeys hanging by their feet. (laughs) Like you want one? You're so close. Okay. Uh, It is from
1: 1884s, uh, the slang dictionary. Okay. Etymological, historical, and anecdotal. Was the name of this book? But it was a term for dealers in plundered or contraband silk. Okay. Why silk? I
0: don't know. Maybe for the country turkey?
1: Maybe. I think like it had at some point just referred to somebody who took turkeys and geese to market. Okay. But over time it became more nefarious, I guess, and like contraband silk. Okay. Yeah. Okay. An alderman.
0: An alderman. Oh, Okay. An alderman is the person who talks to the turkey to explain that it's Thanksgiving time and we're very sorry, but you are a turkey. Gobble, gobble. Well,
1: close. Okay. Uh, according to a classical dictionary, the Vulgar Tongue, published in 1788, an alderman in chains Okay. is a well-stuffed turkey with sausages. Okay. So basically, an alderman is a turkey, the
0: a sausage? stuffed
1: turkey. Okay. Uh, the sausages are supposed to represent the gold chain worn by the magistrates.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Cold turkey wrap.
0: This is uh, an, it's what it sounds like, but it's like an item that you get at cafes. It comes in a pita usually, or maybe like a tortilla. Tomato, Um, sometimes lettuce, lettuce maybe some mayo.
1: Oddly, wrong kind of rap because it's R.A.P.,
0: Okay, which is weird. So it's a Will Smith song. Yeah.
1: (laughs) According to a dictionary of the underworld, British and American, uh, the 1928 term means, quote, an accusation, a charge against a person caught in the act. Yeah. But yeah, so it's just getting caught doing what you're not supposed to. Okay. Cold turkey rap. Black Island, Turkey,
0: Black Island, Turkey, um, it's a term from the 1700s, uh, comes from Iceland because it's an island and the, the turkeys, uh, what was the can I hear the term again?
1: Black Island, Turkey.
0: Black, everyone knows that Iceland is called Black Island because of the blocks of ice. <laughs> And this is the turkeys like to skate around on the blocks of ice. So a black ice, a black Island Turkey is turkeys that don't have to ice skate originating <laughs> from Iceland in the 1700s. Oh my gosh.
1: And now I'm just imagining the rats in them up at Christmas Carol when they're skating.
0: Um, yeah. Like that, but Turkey. Yeah,
1: exactly.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, but it, you're so close on this one. Um, I don't know what year it is from, but it is actually an American slang term for salted cod originating in Connecticut and Rhode Island.
0: You know, Connecticut, Rhode Island, like the old Cape <laughs> Cod area, they need to, you know, look at their life, look at their choices.
1: Um, Next one, turkey puddle.
0: Turkey puddle. Yes, yes, yes. Turkey puddle obviously refers to a late 1800s bicycle that was meant for turkeys but could be used by humans. It's kind of like a penny farthing, but a lot smaller because turkeys.
1: Again, so, so close. It is an 18th century slang for coffee. The turkey puddle? A turkey puddle. Okay. Puddle or puddle? Puddle, puddle.
0: Oh, okay. I'm that's sorry, a turkey I'm sorry.
1: i should have. I should have spoken with more uh, diction in the first.
0: Sure, sure. Uh, that's why I got it wrong. <laughs> that's why I got it
1: wrong. Red is a turkey cock.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Red is a turkey cock. This term comes from 1956 when Sherwin-Williams really needed a new <laughs> paint, new red color, yeah. and they went down to the farms in Iowa, and someone was like, that's as red as a turkey's cock. And they're like, you know what? That's the name. That's the name.
1: Again, almost right on the nose with this one. The phrase actually dates back to 1630. Okay, okay. And it could refer to any kind of flushing of the face. Okay. hmm
0: Okay. Maybe that's where Sherwin-Williams got it from.
1: It it must be. Yeah. Must be.
0: The man, (laughs) Sherwin-Williams. Singular person.
1: We've got one more.
0: Okay. And it is to drive
1: turkeys to market.
0: To drive turkeys to market. Mm -hmm. Okay. This one is from the early 1900s when cars were just starting to, like, become the way they needed, like, turkeys needed to go places Specifically the market. And so someone was like, let's start a rideshare service where turkeys can go to market in these cars. It was an app called Drive Turkeys to Market in the early 1900s. And it was a mail It was a mail app where yep. like you would get a form in the mail. And then like three weeks later, a car would show up for your turkeys to drive them to market.
1: How did you get that one 100% correct? And you
0: know, <laughs> sometimes you just know.
1: Um It's actually best used when the person at dinner has had too many beverages and attempts to walk. And it is uh, slang from the mid-19th century, and it basically means drunken on study manner. It comes from the fact that, quote, the turkey driver is forced to follow the bird's meandering course along the
0: road. Okay. I was a little off on that one. Okay. I'll (laughs) admit
1: and those are your turkey phrases for this Thanksgiving. You can use around the turkey table. Yeah. You can call some Do we Oh, you know what? I did skip one.
0: Yes, let's go back to it.
1: <laughs> I was going to say you can call somebody a snottergob.
0: A snottergob? Mhm. It's a German term from um uh 1837 when back in the Prussian times. <laughs> Uh the Ottomans were like doing weird stuff. And the Prussian Germans were like, we're not having this, you schnabergob or whatever the word was.
1: Well, um, if by Germans you meant Scottish, and yes, if yes. by all of that you meant it was <laughs> what they used to refer to the red part of a turkey's head. Yes. Then totally.
0: That's exactly what I meant. How did you know?
1: <laughs> but yeah, you can call somebody, you can you can point out the snottergob on the table. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, drive tell somebody that you gotta drive turkeys to the market.
0: You're as red as a turkey's dick. <laughs>
1: you can say that as well. Uh, you know, you can say, I guess it's all turkey.
0: Yeah, I guess it's all turkey. We're all good. It's all turkey. It's
1: all turkey. Um, and call somebody a bobblecock. I don't even remember what that means anymore. But you could say it. Yeah. And you know,
0: bobblecock's have, a male turkey.
1: Yeah. Cold turkey wrap.
0: Cold turkey wrap.
1: You can make a cold turkey wrap.
0: You could make cold and then turkey record wrap it and wrap, send and have it to us. Steal it. Yes, and then they'll get a cold turkey wrap for stealing your cold turkey wrap.
1: There we go. And then the next morning, make a cold turkey wrap with the yes. W. Yes, with the leftovers. Yep. Perfect Thanksgiving. Yeah, because this will be—I think this will—will will be our only episode before Thanksgiving. So yeah, we do hope you all have a nice Thanksgiving. Yes. Whatever you're doing, it doesn't have to be classic.
0: Yes. Well, I guess that for uh cold turkey wrapped right now. Yep. Totally. Yes. <laughs> so if you want to uh, follow the show mm-hmm. on our social media at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter and Twitter still around by the time this comes out.
1: Don't follow us on Twitter. Yeah. Don't. You
0: know don't what? We're, you know what? Yeah. It's There's d- no point. No Twitter anymore. Mm-hmm. We're at Detroit Strange on Instagram. Detroit Strange on Facebook. Our email address is Detroit Strange at gmail.com.
1: If you want to support the show, we got our Patreon. We have our threadless shop with some merchy merch. merch. Yes. And, you know, fi- or find us online. Yeah. You can support us there. Yeah. But I think
0: until next time, stay, stay strange. strange. Yeah, Bobblecocks.
1: Gobble, 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 gobble. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was recorded by Detroit's own Sax and Violence.